I sort of always assume that if it's not, if it doesn't look like Windows 98, it's designed for somebody who cares about design. I think you start off. Take it away. Oh, no. Uh, no, you're no, going to start. All right. I'll take it away. Thanks for joining us on All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, a podcast for product managers, product marketers, entrepreneurs, and innovators of all stripes. We're here to help you create better products and more successful product companies. I'm Nils Davis with my partner in making good product management better, Rob McGordy. In our last podcast, we talked about how to handle a product teardown interview question. That's the one where somebody tells you, hey, give me a good product or give me a product you like. Tell me how to make it better. Uh, We promised to do a real product teardown to show, quote unquote, how it's done. Um, So here we are to do it live off the cuff. Wish us luck. Because we collaborate on Evernote to come up with ideas and content for this podcast, as well as use it for our other work as well, we felt it would be an interesting product to tear down. So that's the one we're going to focus on. Now, let's remind you of the structure that we described for these questions. The first thing is you want to make sure you understand the assumptions or that you set the assumptions that you're going to work against. That includes things like personas, the personas that you're going to talk about. The second step is really to then determine the goals that are unmet by the product, really, because that's where you're going to talk about improvements. Or you could also think of those as the jobs to be done that the product is not fulfilling. The third step really is coming up with proposed solutions. And the recommendation there is to use sort of a design thinking approach where you put yourself in the shoes of the, of the end user to empathize with them. And then you take the inputs from your empathy exercise and you use that to create ideas or to define the problems. And then you do an ideation and then you do an assessment of those ideas. Obviously you have to do this all really quickly in an interview situation. Um, If you're doing it in a real situation, you might be doing it taking a much longer time. And then uh, you might even consider a discussion about that sort of priorities based why this product may not have the feature that you just came up with, whether it's because it's too expensive or because it doesn't fit their needs or maybe they've chosen to do something else and maybe how you'd justify that investment. Yep. And don't forget that last part's extra credit. The critical portion is the first three so that the person you're interviewing with really understands that you get product management, although it never hurts to explain how you can interact with C-suite or higher up. Right. And, and I think we should also point out that, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, the steps we really just we just described are essentially a compact microcosm of product management in general. Absolutely. So, this 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 question, ideally, when you answer it, you really are showing how you do product management in general, not just talking about an individual product. Okay. So now, Rob, tell me about a product that you're liking right now. Well, uh, you know, in the making of this podcast, I feel like I've been heavily utilizing Evernote, and frankly, I use Evernote pretty heavily on a day-to-day basis. So it brings up an interesting question whether or not uh, it can really be improved. I'd say it probably could. Okay, so what do you think could be done to improve it? What's missing? Well, first I want to take a step back and try to go through what the base assumptions are. And in this case, I think the biggest uh, elephant in the room is whether or not I'm looking at this from a business, uh, you know, in the case of the podcast, or from an individual user 
as I do every day. Uh, and I think that's a pretty big distinction because Evernote is potentially targeting two totally separate personas. So just simply for ease, and since you know we can be open and sort of meta in this podcast, uh, I'll take this from a small business or a business perspective. Um, Niels, if you want to jump in and, and add a couple of things, what do you think would identify a business user? Right. Well, I think one of the big things that goes on with business users is the need to do collaboration with the, you know, with the with the content that's being created. That would be the the fundamental thing that I talk about. I also might wonder whether a business user would need more in the nature of a lot of plain content or a lot of presentation ready content. And the reason is that presentation ready content is probably done elsewhere. That'd be my guess. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so let's uh, refine a little bit more on that target persona. I'm going to go ahead and say we're not talking about Fortune 500 or even uh, the larger side of the small business. Let's say that we have 10 or less employees. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Sure. Looks like our podcast, two employees exactly. who aren't employed. Uh, so we have less than 10 people and what else? I think that these folks are all... They're all used to using computers as part of their day-to-day -day work. Okay. So typically knowledge-type workers, the, the ones that are going to be involved in this. Are they potentially going across different uh, platforms? So mobile, laptop, et cetera? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so multi-form. Um, any other thoughts on how we can define this? Somebody who cares about design, somebody who cares about function first. I think uh, that's a good question. Uh, do you have a ins you have insight into that? Um, I sort of always assume that if it's not if it doesn't look like Windows ninety eight, it's designed for somebody who cares about design. So <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Uh, another interesting point that I think we might have skipped over there is for a small business, another need might be permission. Right? Who can edit? Who can view? Yep. And it's just my personal document. I don't really care. That's right. It's all you if it's just your personal document. I think there's another aspect in that we both have this as well, which is that we also use Evernote for our personal work, right? So set, totally separate from the podcast, I use Evernote for other things that, you know, Rob doesn't really need to see. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an ability to have multiple workspaces in a sense. So the need or the ability to separate content into different spheres. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which really just means for a persona perspective that the person has more than one potential use of the product. Right, but they're also, but they are separated permissions wise. So I, I guess uh, permissions may cover that as well. Right. All right. So do we have any other major assumptions? One that I have is that this user is not someone who, um, although they're okay with asynchronous activity, they're not someone who is enthusiastic about a long delay, something in the the realm of old school file transfers. Right. Or even doing, having, well, I think there's a something else related to that, which is they don't want multiple copies of the, of the information around. Okay. Right. So they want a single, single source of truth. Single source of truth. That's, that's pretty, that's kept pretty up to date. Okay. Um, and then, Another thing is that they they also have lots of other tools in their arsenal, right? So they certainly have Microsoft Office or an equivalent. If they don't have Microsoft Office, they 
almost certainly are going to be using something like Google Docs. Okay, that's a good point. So that sort of means that you have to design with uh, playing nice with others in mind. And there's probably a lot of email in, in their life. And so a lot of a lot of content is coming in via email or ideas are coming in via email. Um, you know, they use so I think there's a lot of integration with outside or, or not integrate, not necessarily integration, but there's a lot of outside stuff that they probably want to be able to refer to or actually be even able to put into Evernote. Now, um, this is true for a normal Evernote user. It's also true for a business user, in particular things like emails from colleagues that might turn into a collaborative document, for example. Absolutely. So that sort of then touches on what the goal of the job to be done is here. And in the context of our podcast, what I view this as is both the ability to collect uh, sort of a wide array of content as we do Mm -hmm. research and brainstorm, as well as the ability to then collaborate on an individual item and sort of prepare it to a final version. That's right. So uh, so one goal would just be ease of collection. Yep. Yep. And then another would be simple sources of truth and, and central collaboration. Central, yep. That's right. Any other major goals, do you think? For our purposes, those are the two big ones that we're using this for. Would, would you agree with that? I would. I'd say we've, we've you know, skipping ahead to the answer uh, or a bit of an answer, we also found that the ability to communicate about the things that we are collaborating on has been helpful. Right. So actually we're using Evernote chat. Right. Or whatever it's called, work chat or something. So sort of like parallel or contextual um, communication. Of those three things, I would actually say two of them – each of those has potential gaps. I'd agree. Which one do you think is the biggest gap? This is a this is a really good question, Rob. I'm glad you asked that question. I think the most interesting gap from the standpoint of Evernote is actually the collection of content. But that may just be because that's what I'm thinking about today. <laughs> I was going through our, our I was going through our folder and I saw that there were lots of little ideas in separate notes. And I was wondering is there a way to organize these little ideas better? Right. That is an excellent point because I felt the same need both uh, as we collaborate as well as going other places. I'll pose it a slightly different way and see if you agree with this. It's not necessarily that it's hard to collect information because I personally use the voice notes. I clip things from inside a browser. I can email stuff. I attach files. Like I do every way I can to put everything into Evernote. Mm -hmm. But one problem is the notes themselves aren't necessarily designed to be a central place for multiple sources of information. It seems like the notebook is the place where all the different pieces sort of fill in. And what I struggle with is I have one note where I have like a to-do list, for example, or we'll have one note where we're collaborating on uh, a podcast episode. And that's very hard to then clip something into that note. Exactly. Right. So, so let's see if we can refine this down to a single gap, which is we want to use it, we as business users, in the context of collaborating together, collecting content for research, and to a certain extent, preparing for 
a presentation, although it won't be the presentation mode itself. Uh, we are struggling not to gather information, but to combine it in a useful way. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we talked about in the last podcast was a, a useful question and really one of the root questions of all of these methodologies is what is your biggest frustration with the with the product, right? And so we listed out some goals already, and those are actually things we're not that frustrated with, right? Right. And we're, we're, we're sort of being producty people in that way, thinking about the features that it has as opposed to the things that we need. But the thing, the thing that we then just in this conversation just got to was we have a goal of actually being able to make use of this information in a way that Evernote doesn't support that well, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's organizing its access... And now to, to Evernote's credit, they do have a lot of very, very cool features for providing context to the data you put in a note. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, it, it OCRs everything that you put in, whether it's an image or a PDF, it searches very, very effectively, almost sort of on par with Google for your own particular content. And mm-hmm. even without necessarily adding a lot of context, if you're on mobile, it'll tell you, you know, it'll it'll pre-populate the title of the note as the you know the title of a calendar event that is currently going mm-hmm. on or mm-hmm. it'll default to the location that you're at so right. there's a lot of very very cool features to sort of automate some of this data collection but um, the struggle that we have is not necessarily in the interrelation between notes it's what should be in a single note well so I think one of the Right. I think the the thing I'm thinking about is I have a, a lot of notes that are about similar topics. And I probably, I may not want them all to be just combined into a single note, but I would like a way to, to go. What I'm thinking is it would be nice if I could aggregate all that information, removing the overlap and ending up with, a, with something that, that actually contains all of the related information from all the different notes, but in one place, perhaps even with links back to the originals, because there's often other context there. Right. So I think in in terms of an, of an idea that I would think where we could make a big improvement to Evernote would be some kind of an aggregation capability, and and the smarter the better. Okay. Right. Because I'm I'm I mean again I think I can do that obviously as a human being I can take those I can go and copy all that stuff I can go and edit it. But I want the computer to help me with some of the painful crap about that and also to give me power that I don't have if I just copy and paste, like keeping links back to the original information. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I will say Evernote has done a good job of uh, is providing similar notes. I'm sitting here right now trying to look at the, the settings to see if I've accidentally turned this thing off. But when I capture something from within uh, Google Chrome as you know an extension, it will actually populate down on the bottom a list of related notes or content that I have in my own Evernote, which is very weird the first time you see it because you're like, oh, wow, that's th- that sounds like me, but I haven't seen it in a long time. And then you click <laughs> on it and you realize it actually is one of your notes. Right. Um, so they're definitely and building you can, And you context. can have it give you context from other systems, like from the Wall Street Journal and from TechCrunch and from Pando Daily and Fast Company, it turns out. That's kind of amazing. 
So, hey, Evernote, uh, we're loving your product even more as we're tearing it down. But uh, so, yeah, so agreed. I think they're doing a good job of getting that there. It's just not necessarily at the level of usefulness for the goal that we have. Right. So is there a way being in our position as small business people trying to collaborate together on a single note that requires both a research and collection as well as sort of a refinement and centralization capability. Any ideas? Well, I have a lot. I actually do have some ideas about how, how you might go around, uh, go about improving this. Yeah. So if we're, if we're saying that the job to be done and, and now getting meta for, for a minute, you know, um, that, We've we've discovered we've essentially gone through the first two two pieces of this right we've we've we created a context we figured out some goals that are met and some goals that are unmet or job a job that's not met and now we need to think through the solution to that and so empathizing with myself because the first step of design thinking is empathy one of the things that I really want my computer to do or my computer I system is to automate some of the work that I would otherwise have to do manually and for example. One of the things that I often think about would be very powerful, and this is not true just of Evernote, but if Evernote, Evernote did it, they'd be the only one that did, does it, and it, it probably is possible to do, which is to allow me to take snippets of different notes and combine them, keeping a link back to the original note. This is actually, if you're very old like me, you remember Ted Nelson and Xanadu and the original ideas behind hypertext and what he called transclusion. And this is what, this is transclusion. Very powerful concept that's never really been implemented, but would be very powerful for this thing I'm just talking about right now. For my own personal docs, doc set or for the collaboration doc set with you to be able to combine pieces from lots of different places, remembering where they're from, and but presenting them all as a single, as a single document. Okay, so the context for which you're talking is after you've already collected data or your content, when you're inside a note or inside Evernote, you're hoping that they will they will suggest or automatically collaborate, not collaborate, they will automatically collect snippets from other parts and sort of pre-create that document? It doesn't have to be automatic. I, I actually think that I myself am the person that knows what needs to go together. And so I will snip, I will select something but I'd like to then be able to send that selection into another doc along with other selections. Okay. Okay. I will propose a different solution okay. since we're iterating at this point. Yeah. This is, we're just, we're, this is wide open. The second step of design thinking um, is about wide open field, all the different possibilities. Yeah. So for me, I, I have a similar need, which is why I'm not going to uh, necessarily go over it again, but I'd love to be able to take stuff from, a long-term to-do list like a backlog and put it into a short-term to-do list like a daily stand-up. That being said, when I am attempting to do research on a particular topic, most of the time people have like, let's say an ideas notebook. We even have a podcast ideas. We have a podcast notebook and in there we have multiple idea uh, notes. What mm-hmm. I'd like is within the Chrome extension to, or even to a certain extent within the, the capabilities on a mobile device to be able to snip something from, let's just say the internet, let's narrow the use case to inside a browser on a machine. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. to be able to snip something, which they currently allow and do a very good mm-hmm. job of, but to be able to append it inside of a note. And what I'm imagining is sort of a visual uh, description of what the notebook has, right? Mm-hmm. Just basically pop up what's what my notebook options are when I click on it. It then shows if I want to create a new note or if I want to add it to another note. And if I can add it to another note, maybe even be able to put it at a different place, not necessarily just at the bottom. Right. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's uh, that sounds like a probably way simpler than my idea. <laughs> well, I think they have they have both but issues of their own, right? Yeah, because once your data is in Evernote, it can spend all the time it wants trying to figure out what the relationship is or allowing you to just basically send a hypertext link to another part of Evernote's own data. Mm-hmm. Being able to then add it from outside, you know, they've been able to create a note, which is why I feel like they should be able to edit a note. But you're now dealing with third-party data. You're dealing with sort of the the potential mixing of text and audio and video and photos and the sizing and how that becomes actually usable is a mm-hmm. problem of its own. Well, and I think you have the fundamental issue of of finding the note that you want to put this new content in into. Right. Now, to be fair, I'm going to build on top of the fact that they're already suggesting my own content, mm-hmm. where they may even suggest a note or a notebook that they think relates to it. And that could be a whole new form of discovery. So let's do a quick review. Um, shall we go? Let's let's go with your option to be able to link stuff between the notes, simply because it's probably a problem that the Evernote team could solve internally and would likely encourage people to use Evernote more on a daily basis uh, and spend more time actually sort of investing in the product, which is, by the way, a totally separate part of this process. But for me, as I refine an idea, if I'm sitting in the shoes of the other company, if I assume one of their goals as a company is to increase the minutes that you spend inside their application or the amount of investment customization Mm -hmm. that you do, I would probably tend towards that solution because it will help uh, go towards that extra credit of, you know, sort of suggesting that it's a worthy investment. I mean, the other component of that is the question of, does it make the product more sticky? So if you have transclusions, for example, where you've created these a document based on other content that you've got within Evernote, um, that makes Evernote stickier for sure. Well, I don't know for sure, but my hypothesis is that would make it more sticky. Right. It's harder to get rid of it because it because only Evernote knows how to do that. Right. Cool. So let's summarize this real quick. We decided that the business user is the focus for this case. Uh, it's a less mm-hmm. than 10-person organization, and they are primarily uh, people who need content, collaboration, they're computer literate, and they like to use it in multi multi formats, so on a phone, on a laptop, etc. And they're most likely dealing with competing products uh, to try and solve the same needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other assumptions were that the user has a single source of truth or would like a single source of truth as they're collaborating. They'd like things to be as close to real time as possible, and they want it to play nice outside of the system. Mm-hmm. We identified three pretty effective goals, which were the ease of collection of content, the centralization of collaboration, 
and the parallel or contextual communication. But what we found as a goal or a job that needs to be done that is falling short is collaboration and continued refinement within a note. And that's different because uh, collecting at this point and refining is done at the base unit of a note, not a piece or a part of a note. Mm -hmm. So going through the process of empathizing, we decided uh, that as ourselves, we would really like to be able to link pieces of separate notes, which most likely relate to uh, the different research we've done and the workings of our brain in different time periods and be able to uh, take pieces of that or potentially receive suggestions from Evernote about what needs to be added to a particular note or topic, be able to link that and still retain the original piece, but have the content sort of centralized itself into uh, topics and flows as we work through a document. Right. Yeah, I, th I think a summary is it's sort of an aggregation. It's, it's conceptually kind of an aggregation of different notes. Right. Of, of parts of different notes. Yeah. Now, as we mentioned, that sort of comes to the end of it. Uh, we've discussed what our assumptions were, what we thought the goals were. We identified the gap and we proposed a solution that we think is feasible. The extra credit is to try and identify why they may not have already done this. Nils, any right. thoughts? I think it's hard. I think it's feasible, but I think it's very difficult. I think it's hard. Okay. And um, so outside of technical, any particular market reasons? Well, I think you could, um, I, I think there are a couple of other things. And this actually goes back to some of the things we've discussed in, in the past on the podcast. There is a, and I'm not sure we want to get into it in, in great detail, but I think one of the things about what we're describing is actually it's very new it's very different from what other products do and there is a bias amongst product people to do familiar things what we have um, biases and unfortunately and, and the example i always give actually is is about a spreadsheet right so if a product person sees somebody doing something with a spreadsheet they say oh look at that they're using that spreadsheet i know how to solve that problem and they create a database based system that takes the data that you put in the spreadsheet and um, and suddenly you can it's single source of truth it's multi-user things like that but it's still rows and columns and so it's the, it's essentially what I call the technologist solution to a spreadsheet is to put the spreadsheet on a database but that doesn't necessarily get to the root of the problem a spreadsheet may just be the best of bad of the bad solutions in terms of how you represent this problem maybe you need to have a different kind of structure that's not rows and columns and oftentimes technologists say say oh i know how to solve the spreadsheet i'm just going to do that instead of going deeper and saying oh here's the thing that no one's ever thought about before but it's a better solution to that problem i actually think transclusions are kind of in that state right we know how to do linking between full documents, because that's been done for you know decades on the World Wide Web. We know how to do individual documents. That's been done for multiple decades in all kinds of applications. But we don't really know how to do documents that are combinations of other documents. Right. Now, in some cases, you'll have like a Google Doc that has the ability to link into its own self, but it's really just a bookmark. It brings the viewer to that place. Um, and I think it's very important to point out that the suggestion that we have here is actually not just a link, but it's actually bringing the content almost as its own active 
element into another place. And that becomes a much more complicated uh, function, not just from the technological perspective, because I would argue it could be very simple because you effectively uh, create text and you just auto hyperlink it back to the mm-hmm. original location. Sure. I would say that the user interface and the user interaction side of this becomes much more difficult because as you start linking documents and snippets back and forth, you create the spaghetti bowl mess of the relationship between your information. Now, I think that's part of the purpose, right? So we can start seeing relationships that weren't necessarily there when we set mm-hmm. out our own information architecture. But it will take many, many cycles to support your point that this is hard. It'll take many, many cycles to get through a usable version of this that an average user can understand and grasp. That actually, though, raises another thing that's a, that's a great thing that product managers do, as opposed to technologists, is the technologists think about all the different cases that can break things and make them much harder. And how, and how difficult those are going to be to implement. Whereas one thing a product manager often can do is say, let's just do one case and disable all the other cases. Right. <laughs> right. So you can cross-link once, but you can't cross-link a second time, for example. And this, this is another little product management thing that we should probably talk about sometime in an episode is about how product managers can simplify assumptions and what the approach there is. But... So in this case, I, th- I do think that it's a difficult technical thing to do. It's not impossible. I think the technology totally exists. But there are, as you say, there's a bunch of challenges, and there a lot of them are really design challenges and interaction challenges as opposed to technical challenges. Yep. And so if we were to craft an argument to stakeholders, or in this case potentially the executive team at Evernote, as to why we should devote time and energy into this, I would start off by saying, as you mentioned, Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing it effectively in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, would support this use case. I'd support that by going straight at the core of what Evernote was supposedly founded for, which was let's make people smarter and being able to link snippets of different documents together acts much more like our brain. So mm-hmm. this will move Evernote as an extension. Sorry, this will move Evernote closer to being an extension of our everyday brain in the business case uh, if we're able right. to achieve this. Right. And it it's it's clearly a differentiator from other notes uh, taking note-taking apps. Not that Evernote doesn't have those, but there, it gives them more. Uh, it's actually really aligned with the whole history of computer science. Doug Engelbart, you know, the famous inve- famous as the inventor of the mouse, he was much more proud of, of things that he invented re- that are similar to this. Um, so I think there's there's historical, but I think most of that doesn't hold much water versus will we make more money. Right. And I and, think the argument there, as we pointed out, was this makes Evernote much more sticky. Every time right. a user invests even a little bit of time into cross-linking content that they've already created, they can't go anywhere else because not only is the content lost, but the connection is lost as well. That's right. Yeah. So I think that's that is as you say it's the big argument for for doing this is it makes it more sticky, um, and potent and and the of course the argument of it makes people smarter. So it's a little harder to illustrate that, but people want to be smarter. Certainly, knowledge workers have constantly a a, a drumbeat to become more smart. Absolutely. So, yeah. And with that, we've crossed the thirty minute mark. So hopefully, 
this has been more educational as we unpack the process as opposed to a template for answering a question in 30 minutes. That's right. I think it was, and it was a lot of fun, Rob. I think this was a great idea. Absolutely. We'll see what everyone thinks. And next time up, maybe we'll get a little more abstract. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for joining us on all the responsibility and under the authority. Um, do let us know what you think of this product teardown we just did with Evernote, a product that we obviously both love. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at alltheresponsibility.com slash iTunes. And a big thank you, as always, to the friend of the show and awesome artist Neat Beats for our intro and outro music. You can see more work from Neat Beats or listen to it at their Bandcamp site, which is neatbeats.bandcamp.com. And on Spotify, just search for Neat Beats, which is like it sounds. Awesome. And with that, we'll close it out. Hopefully everyone enjoyed a piece of this, and we look forward to the next one. Great. Bye-bye, Rob. Bye-bye, Niels. Ignition.